Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode 66, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. Santos. My brother. Happy, 2018. happy fucking Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Merry, happy holidays to you and the fam as well. Got your Christmas card. Oh, did Gorgeous you? family. Um, that is take two on the Christmas card. Um, the first one, I, I, designed, I put it together. I made it. Ordered it, printed them all, 200 of them, shipped to the house, all set, ready to go. And she takes one look at it. She's like, no, this is not, we're not using this. <laughs> and it was like, that, and that, it, that's, it, she that's the veto it. power of the executive office right there. Oh, exactly right. Yeah. Because they, I mean, you know, 75% of those go to like family friends in Omaha, like old people. Right, yeah, yeah. That I don't really even know, you know what I mean? Because um, my family is, you know, not nearly as big as, like, her extended family of people in Omaha. So, And plus, my family, they don't give a shit what's on the card. Like, right. I just want to see pictures of the kid. Um, but, yeah, she vetoed that. And um, so I, it went in the garbage, and she just fucking reordered them and did it herself. On her phone, I, I, I may add. <laughs> Like, did it on her phone. Yeah. I'm like, okay, don't leave it to the guy who, like, has a, a photography background or... Right. So. Yeah. Well, next year, you know. You just got to just let her do it in the I'm not doing place. it. That's the last time. Yeah. You, your, your energy is better spent elsewhere. There you go. I agree completely. I agree completely. Yeah. But, yeah, man, Christmas was awesome. Um, I did a uh, prime rib. Oh, yeah. Um. I got Did you do it in the pit barrel. No, no. I, 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 our tradition in at Nicole's side of the family is I do a prime rib in the pit barrel. Are you serious? Yep, dead serious. <sighs> Fucking thing. Um, <laughs> like you gotta have come you, out the next time you, you're out. You have, have you to given up. Have you no, given up I, on the pit I barrel? I mean, I will say that I haven't used it much lately, just because I've gotten so pissed at it. Um, right. You can't do ribs. Um, ribs. All right. Well, let's. You know, let's. Uh, I'll say I'm gonna I'm gonna press the pause on this because I want to talk about this in my best of 2018. Okay. In the good in the good cooking out section. Oh of yeah. 2018. Okay. I we'll, love we'll, it. We'll pick up this discussion again. So. Fair enough. Um, so you did a prime rib. I did. I got it. Um, I was gonna get it from my fancy butcher. Um, and then I was at Costco and I it just saw it there and there. I mean, how much different. You know, it's prime. It's I just fucking got it, and but this time I got it bone off, um, hmm. and I dry aged it for for like ten days. Wow! I will tell you what that is. It was a fucking killer. It was so good. It was okay. So tell me when you. When you say I dry aged it, tell me about this process. Oh, dude, it's the easiest fucking thing. Take it out of the package, dry it off, wrap it in cheesecloth, put it on a, a like a baking rack in a in a in a cookie sheet or a jelly roll sheet, you know, um, in mm-hmm. the back of the fridge and leave it, and fucking that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you want to check it like a couple times just to make sure nothing's gonna you know go south on you. Um, take the take take the cheesecloth off to have a look at it. But I'm telling you, that's fucking it. 
Hmm. And then, um, and it'll lose, I, I forgot to weigh it when I was done, but it, it pulls a bunch of moisture out of it, you know? Right. Um, and oh, I should clean out the fridge. I just, that just crossed me. Because where does that fucking moisture go? It goes it's on the walls of your fridge, right? I mean, that's got to be fucking gross. It just makes it everything else more delicious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just don't invite any vegetarians over for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Here. The broccoli tastes like fucking A1. Um, <laughs> but it was so good, man. I just fucking, I, you know, just, and then just went ahead like I normally would. Um it, the outside is a little dry, so I just hit it with a little bit of olive oil and then shit ton of salt, shit ton of pepper um, in the oven at 450 for 40 minutes, down to 275 until the center is at, like, you know, it was bone off, and I, I let the center get up to, one like, 130 because it wouldn't, it was only at 275, so it's not like you're pulling it out of a super high oven and it's going to keep going right. up. Yeah, it only would go up another five degrees or so, and I don't like prime rib super rare because it's gets it's like eating a fucking human, you know? Right? It's gross. Um, but it was killer. So I I had that um, asparagus with hollandaise. I started with I I bought a a whole serrano ham, the whole fucking ham leg. Wow! In the clamper in the big rack with the huge slicing knife. Um, I thought it was, I had big dreams of everybody yeah. like gathering around the ham and singing fucking Christmas carols and everything. No, nobody give a shit about the ham except me. Oh, I would have, I would have been all over that ham. Yeah, I know you would. This yeah. is pearls I, before swine over yeah, here. I know. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's fucking killer. It's on my counter now. And Beth just turns her and every time she walks by, she's like, that's disgusting. Why is that on our counter? Like it's oh fucking, it's a beautiful God. fucking cured ham. It's a whole fucking big leg. <laughs> All you have to do is just slice a slice and yeah, fucking live right. your life. It's so good. Yeah. So fucking good. So I had that. I had beautiful cheeses. I had caviar, creme fraiche with the blinis. The whole fucking spread, man. Who did you have over at your house? The fucking Queen of England? Um, yeah, right? No. Um, Uncle Matt came from Omaha. and, um, and Did then he our appreciate this stuff? He Well, he's got a very particular... Um, dietary um, program. So, not that he's allergic to anything. He just he doesn't. He's very he's Midwestern. Yes, decidedly, <laughs> decidedly. I, mean, I I know what this is like because I grew up in this family. Yeah, like my mom has written off cheese as a category of food. Dude, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like. You, you don't understand, like, there, there's so much variation in cheese. There has to be cheese that you'll like if you just try some cheeses. Nope, done with cheese. I don't like cheese. Yeah, That's I it. don't like cheese. So <laughs> what she does like, what she does actually eat, is she will have a slice of American cheese on a hamburger. That's it. That's the only cheese she eats. Right. Uh. What can you do, man? You can lead a horse to water, you know? Yeah, Um. Exactly. But yeah, I think Beth likes caviar. So, um, but she doesn't know how to eat it. She puts she puts it on like she does creme fraiche with the caviar, with egg, with the chives, and I put all that out there because that's how you sorry that's how you serve it. But like you just eat the caviar to your mouth is how you fucking eat it. Yeah, and then you can put some of that sh- if you want something after that. You can have you know creme fraiche and uh, egg or whatever, but. You put caviar in the mouth. That's how you fucking eat it. 
Right. You know? And she's doing it as like a, like it's guacamole on Like it's taco. a fucking, she's making a fucking <laughs> sandwich with it, you know? Right. Yeah. Pearls before I mean, swine, my friend. Yeah. These people don't fucking know. They don't know what they're what about, doing. What about Little Man? Does he like all this stuff? Um, He, he doesn't you give a shit. He'll eat anything. his palate? He, anything yeah. I put in front of him, he'll eat. You know? He'll eat whatever. But, you know, he, actually, he didn't eat the caviar. I tried to get him to eat that, which I'm fine with that. He doesn't need to be eating the fucking caviar. What, is, what does he know? He's five years old. <laughs> you know? Right. Fuck him. He can go eat some fucking... You can go eat some Jelly Bellies. That's caviar right. for a five-year-old. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, no kidding. Fine. But Christmas was fucking awesome. It was so good. The five-year-old, man, you can't fucking lose, yeah. you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, kids make Christmas really exciting again. Oh, God. Um, so good. Because th- there's sort of that, like, middle depressing area where it's all just a bunch of adults staring at each other and, like, yeah. opening the awkward like present opening where you're like, oh yes, these are the, exactly the socks I wanted. Yeah, it's a bummer. So then you get the kids back in the mix again and think things are good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So I've got to ask. Uh, this is hot off the presses. I think it came out at midnight last night. Oh. Have you seen um, the new Black Mirror episode oh, of Bandersnatch? The choose your own adventure thing. Yeah. No. But- the interactive, yeah, it's uh, definitely worth checking out. I really enjoyed it. I uh, so I mean, with what you would expect from them, the whole the form of it plays into the narrative quite a bit. Okay, um, and they do a really nice job with it. It's really intelligently done. It's not like the best Black Mirror, like the most provocative story I've seen. Mm. Um, like the story didn't blow my mind and like blow my hair back in the way some of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was like on par with their quality level and, and that they use the form of the storytelling really well. So I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm pretty sure you have to watch it on a computer with a mouse. I'm not sure if the touch screen recognizes the prompts. Um, oh, Int- okay. That makes sense. Uh, I, yeah. I was actually just, I was trying to figure out how they did that. Um, I actually think behind like the scenes, a, it actually. You choose like a thing on the menu or something? Um, yeah. You you have a mouse and the, the, it's actually a really elegant interface. It comes up, there's a timer that's kind of like, looks like a rope burning at both ends to the middle. And when it gets to the middle, I, oh. I don't know what happens. It maybe just chooses for you or it goes to a default. And then okay. it, um, what they do is they loop you back around. If you make, if you. Unlike a choose your own adventure book, where I don't know if you read those when you were a kid, where you cho- you choose the wrong path and it's just like, and then you fall off a cliff and you die. Yeah. So it, in this, what they do is they, if you make the ink like a choice that dead ends, they just loop you back through the story as if you're in a time loop, and they recap everything that you chose up until that point really quickly, and let you choose the other branch or, and it actually plays into the story. As well, like it's incredibly well done. The, mm. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, yeah, they they were really smart about the way that they did it, um, and it even it lets you choose some of the alternate things like within the story, so you don't have to go through and watch the entire episode again to see some of the other content. Um, so it's it is it's well done for sure. You know, well written, well thought out. Um, well acted, of course. Um, Fucking a. You know, like I said, I don't know that it's gonna. I think it's a it, it's a more 
important moment for Netflix than I think it is for Black Mirror. The test, uh, almost. Yeah, it was a test, and I actually think what when I clicked out of it, I saw it sort of like revert to the Netflix interface. I think it might actually be a separate embedded application oh. that you're just not you're, that you're actually not seeing. So I think they're. They're testing the idea of this interactive content or interactive films, and I think there's a different embedded application in the browser that it's running sort of behind the scenes. Because mm. watch when you watch it, when you go to close it, watch it's sort of like there's this sort of like refresh of the frame really quick, and then it goes back to the usual Netflix it, interface. Because really, if you think about it, all it needs to be is, um, is you know, sixty different. Seven minute titles really is what it is, right? Right. Um, or however many choices you have, whatever you choose in the menu is basically you're choosing another title. Um, yeah. But I guess the, there's a timer the, on it, so that changes. The thing is, I think there was only one time I noticed where it actually faded to black and like reclip something that doesn't break from the narrative when you make the choices. Really? Yeah. What? Oh well, that's that. I gotta check that out, man. That's really interesting. If that's the case, they, they did it seamlessly in this really crazy way. So it's an interesting thing. I did a a video game um, that was along the same lines called Detroit, which is um, a video game um, about AI and robots that are um, androids that are kind hmm. of taking over you know they gain consciousness and you kind of cho- you play there's three concurrent storylines and you, you're three different droids and you kind of make decisions along the way and it's super interesting you know um and it, yeah it all it does all go back to that choose your own adventure you know stuff when you were a kid those were awesome i mean i read dozens oh, of those. i read every I fucking was- one yeah, I was all about those books as a kid. I could not get enough of them. Yeah, they weren't the the best stories. But no, the form they were not was good. So interesting, and you'd never you <laughs> and you'd never seen anything like that. That, um, yeah, it it blew my mind when when those first came out. I tried to introduce like kids in my school in them, and they just some of them. I remember one kid just like read it straight through. He didn't get it. <laughs> So he's like, he didn't no, understand. You won't get it if you're doing yeah. that. <laughs> he was like, I don't know. It didn't make any sense. I don't. I don't understand why you like this book. And I was like, Duh. Yeah. yeah you didn't dude, follow. You, you missed the boat here, my friend. So <laughs> anyway, um, I saw something that you might be interested in. I don't know when you'll be able to see it. Um, but last night I went to the theater. This was only in the theater here for a couple of days. Um, Peter Jackson has a new documentary out called They Shall Never Grow Old. Have you oh, heard about this? Yeah. What is this again? I I think I know so about this. He, he, he was approached, I think it was by um, a group called the Imperial War Museum. Um, and they asked him to, for the anniversary of World War I, um, the 100-year anniversary yeah. of the end of World War I, they asked him to make a documentary and that all, all they asked was that he made it. He used the thousand hours of archival footage of world war one archival film, a thousand hours that they had in some sort of creative way. And so he intros the film with like a five minute segment. uh, And he said, you know, they approached me about this and I was like, He's evidently he has a huge passion for World War One. His grandfather fought in World War One. His okay. great uncle died 
in World War One. Um, so he, he evidently, I don't know. Somehow they found out that he was like has, has a massive passion for World War One and World War One history. So he was like, "What the hell are we going to do with this?" And then he he was like, "I started looking at some of the old footage, and I realized, what if we could like I have this like." massive post-processing facility in New Zealand. What if we could do something really interesting with the, even if we had to write custom software for it, if we could use computers to somehow like improve this footage in a way that was meaningful. Uh, And they took footage that was like almost black because either it was shot improperly or it was copied so many times and they completely restored it to look like modern film. And they um, colorized it, which he's like, you know, against colorization of films where the director made a choice to be black and white. But what he said was like, if you had given these like field camera operators the choice at the time between color and black and white, they of course would have chosen color. Yeah. And he he was at the end of the film. So let me tell you about the film first and I'll tell you about at the end because there's a making of half an hour after the credits roll. Oh, cool. And it was unbelievably cool once you understood the depth and the level of detail they went on this thing. So the film is, uh, they culled through the entire thousand hours of archival footage and they pieced together a film that he wanted to represent the, the experience of the average British soldier. Um, and then they happened to also have access to, uh, 600 hours of audio interviews that the BBC did with, um, World War One survivors. So they entirely used archival footage and this um, the soldiers talking about their experience of the war. That's it. And they made this like two uh, amazing two hour film. Then they restored all this footage and they did all the stuff to the footage. But what they did when they made it was so. Of course, the footage is silent. Um, but you can see the soldiers talking. So they brought in lip reading experts. No. And they found out what they were saying. And then they found where that regiment was from. So if it was from Liverpool, they would get voice talent from Liverpool no. to voice what the soldiers were saying. And for the colorization process, he flew to Belgium and he went to all the different sites and he shot photos of like, this is the color of the grass and this is what this looks like. And he had the them match perfectly. And... There's this one point in the film where there's a right towards the end when they're like pushing uh, the soldiers out of Belgium, like back into like the German troops are basically falling back. And there's this um, British officer who reads this speech. And he he said, this is this clip is used in all these different World War One documentaries and no one ever knew what this guy was saying. So he went to the archives and he found he found the regiment. He went into the archives. He found a handwritten copy of the speech and they had someone read it for the film. And it was the first time ever after like seeing this footage so many times that people actually knew what this guy was saying. No. So, and then they recreated all the sound. He got like the actual artillery cannons and they recorded all the sounds. (laughs) It's insane. The amount of detail and attention that this guy and passion that he put into this project. Holy shit. How long did it take him to do? I th- a couple of years. I think Fuck. he's been working on it for the last couple of years. It's not that long. No. Cause you figure, I mean the amount of footage you got to screen, like you got to, you got to yes. like, I mean, obviously yeah. he's not doing it himself, but um, 
but still, like that is yeah. in piecing all that together and I'm fucking organizing it. What the fuck? Yeah. It sounded like what they did is they looked at all the footage, and then and I could be wrong about this, but in the making of this is this is piecing together. This is what I think they did. They looked at all the footage and they said, okay, we have coverage in all these different areas. And he said that they had they could probably could have made like three more documentaries because there was all the naval stuff and the air stuff. The first time. Planes were meaningfully used in a war. Right. All, the British Navy, of course, is f- on top of the fucking world at that time versus yep. the U-boats. Like, you could have done amazing stuff. They didn't do any of that because uh, they, they wanted to just focus on, like, the typical experience of, like, what it was like in the trenches. Okay. Um, but artillery was such a big part. It was basically a war of artillery. Mm-hmm. And with these soldiers sitting in these trenches just getting, like, shelled. Just getting the shelled, right. Time. Yeah. Um, so I think what they did was they actually built the audio narrative first and then they matched footage to the, and, and, or they at least started use the audio as the starting point and they, then they probably mixed stuff in and out based on what they could find for the footage, but. Amazing. Where is it? Uh, I saw it in the theater, but I'm assuming it's going to come out on some point at like streaming or, you know, Blu-ray or something like that. What the and I fuck? hope. I hope to God it includes the, and I'm sure it will, the intro and the making of content. Because the making of content, once you understand what went into making it, you just have so much, uh, such a higher level of appreciation for what it is and what he did. Where'd you see it? What theater? Uh, I went to an AMC, AMC Rosedale. Okay. So, and uh, uh, my father-in-law, Nicole's dad, really wanted to go see it. So Killer. we went last night. It was. It's amazing. God damn. Yeah, that is right up my alley. I got to check that out. That is killer. Nobody's there. You've never seen anything comprehensive. I mean, you know, all quiet on the Western Front in you know narrative films. Um, and there's of course like a a bevy of series that use you know archival footage and um in war coverage for like docs like. You know, right. like History Channel type stuff, which is great, you know, but nothing like yeah. that. That's amazing. And the color, it's really something. It's powerful to see war footage in color that's been colorized. Um, but it really, it does something that you haven't seen before. That yeah. whole, there, there's a whole series on Netflix that's World War II in color. You know, they just basically colorized a bunch of of mm. World War II um, footage and then did a typical like war doc style series and it's fucking great. It's really good. Yeah, yeah he was obsessed with um, like he had all the different um, uniforms and he brought the colorization people who I think were out of somewhere in the west coast, maybe LA um, flew them to New Zealand and had them match specifically like no, this is the blue on this particular button. This is the like dialed every single thing in like meticulously. And so it's a reference piece. It, yeah, it is. I don't know that anyone has ever paid this much attention to the fine details of, of something like that. Like when he decides to colorize something, he wants it to be 100% authentic. The other thing he said is what you don't realize is these, all this film was shot on dudes doing this. Oh, 
Right. So, uh, which what I'm doing hand for people see is all hand crank cameras, which means some of them were 16 frames a second, some were 14, some were 17, some were. So they had to reset the speed on all of the footage, and he Ugh. and they actually show like here's what it looks like when you're one frame off. See how unnatural that looks, and look as soon as you dial it correctly in. Look at this. And and it just all flows much more naturally. And he's like, you could, we could, it got to the point after doing this with many hours of footage where we could just look at it and say, no, it's off by one. It's too slow by one. It's too fast by two. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be amazing experience for. Oh my God. You know, I mean, who knows how, how, how often an editor is going to do something like this ever again. You don't right. normally need to like a, hand adjust the speed of all the footage you're working with that's amazing but, um, still amazing yeah holy so, shit man oh i can't wait to see that before i forget yeah what do you uh, got I, I need to alert all of our listeners to the fact that our good friend jonathan ignatius green's documentary social animals is Thank now you. available yes. for purchase on itunes and uh, I think also it's going to be coming to Netflix pretty soon. So in January, um, yeah. If you uh, could do us all a favor, uh, it's very affordable. I think it's priced at like six bucks or something. Six, seven, eight. Maybe it's eight ninety five. Eight ninety five. I'm not. I thought it was. I, I, I thought remember. it was twelve. I'm not sure though. Oh, okay. Maybe I did the pre order. Maybe it was uh, more maybe. affordable on uh, on the pre order. Anyways. Uh, Social Animals, documentary about three teens coming of age on Instagram. Highly recommended. Really great. Visually stunning. Um, please uh, go check it out because it's, one, a great film, but also because it helps support our good friend Jonathan Green, who is a up-and-coming filmmaker, soon to be very famous, very talented. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and please leave a, rev- a review. We'd love to hear you know, what you think of it. Um, yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah. It's super exciting. Have you been following the, um, the gorilla marketing stuff they've been doing with that? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have part uh, hand in any of that stuff? No, just breaking balls. When I saw the, the, the machines in their office, I was like, Uh, this is, this is exactly what I would expect. But you know what? It's super like, it's great PR. It's and it worked great, yeah. and they got great placement with them. It it, it was fabulous. It was yeah. a great article in Vice, um, Ad Age, I think. Um, they got good coverage. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good exposure for basically what they did well. is they took um, candy vending machines, like the classic spiral thing where you see five and, and you know thing spins and it spits something out. So you buy for ten bucks. You buy they they populated the entire. Um, candy machine with with these fake products that were basically um tie into your social following so it's like buy a hundred likes for your you know for your last story or your you know or your last three posts or buy 20 followers and you know it was kind of taking the piss on social you know sort of the currency of of um social media in but what you get is a copy of you get a download code for the film is what you were really buying um right but it was great it, it was you know they had one down here on Venice Beach um 
and then they brought it up north to um to uh San Francisco and they had it at Facebook and they had one at Instagram and um nice kind of shifted around That's yeah smart. it was cool it was yeah. really good it's nice to see it happening i can't wait till i can't wait till it hits hits netflix yeah that'll be good um yeah i've got a copy of it so i'm planning on showing the girls while we're hanging out down and <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you have me for a second my, there yeah <laughs> good god not that it's you know it's not racy by any means but it's there's some it's it's more more I would some say heavy. PG thirteen. Yeah, all. yeah, yeah. There's some some heavy material, which is exactly why people should watch it. Exactly. Honestly, yeah. As a uh, a parent of you know young kids, I, I think it's a wake up call to uh, both the positive and negative power of social media in all of our lives. Um. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up during my. Um, thank you, baby. Look at that! Boom! That's what. Ooh, your, nice. That's what your bride brings you. Iowa you whiskey. Iowa bourbon whiskey. That's some bullshit, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up in my when we did. Are we going to do best of? Yeah, let's do it. So um, this episode I, that was that was my is uh, my twenty best of twenty eighteen. That was my. Oh, wow. That was my. You put it on your list. I'm not going that far. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I was. I, I. I am. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I. I do agree. I think as far as like the things that I saw that personally affected me, um, and you know, I would definitely put it on on the best of list is the things that like stuck a film that stuck with me and really made me think. Yeah. Uh, you know and. Including on re- repeat viewings because I, you know, I actually went to South by Southwest. I saw it twice there. Saw it once at the yeah, you were at the Minneapolis. So yeah. Uh, anyways, so what what category do you want to start with first? So we're going to do best of 2018 by the categories that we normally talk about on the show, and Santos is going to kick off with. Um, let's start with. Um, let's start with uh, TV. Okay. Um, so basically, um, we'll do TV, movies, books, music, and food. Yep. Right. Um, so just to be, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll have to move reasonably quickly. I'm yeah. saying this to myself more than anything. Fuck. Oh, phew. Did everybody hear that? Oh, my heart, my, my poor little beating heart be still. I thought that whiskey went down. Jesus Christ. This fucking my booth here oh, is a little fucking wonky. So yeah, I'm saying that to myself is more than I am to you because um, I got multiple picks here, um, of course, yeah. for everything because I can't fucking be. So we we don't need to go deep on them. Um, kind of list them off here. So for TV, um, my favorite TV series. Um, I got five of them here. Um, Whoa! For the. Um, with one clear, one clear winner. Um, well, actually, the two that are at the top. The, my two favorite things on TV this year, and TV obviously includes, you know, an HBO series, it includes yep. a Netflix series, those types of things. My top two at the are uh, neck and neck, or Sharp Objects and Handmaid's Tale. Right. Um, faves, faves. Yeah. They're so fucking good. 
Yeah, Sharp Objects was definitely a massive standout. Oh, uh, God. That thing I, is I totally agree with that. I have to admit, I have not watched past episode one of Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, mostly because I thought it was one of those things where I thought, oh, I think Nicole will like this. I should stop and watch it with Nicole. And then we never watched it together. Yep. So I actually, I actually need to go back and um, crush some Handmaid's Tale. No pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a lot of them, and they're long. There's like three seasons. You know. Wow. Um, it's fucking so good. Really, really good. And that's Hulu. Hulu original. Yes, Hulu original. First, so at this point, it must go well it. beyond the original Margaret Atwood novel. Yeah. Yep. Um, but. That thing is fucking baller. And then my other three um, that are honorable mentions, um, Wild Wild Country, I thought that was great. Even though they stepped yeah. in shit, like, they, you know, when they when they locked that thing up, they knew it's all, the footage is all, it was handed to them on a platter. But the story's really engrossing and really well done. Yeah. Um, the Terror, um, which is difficult. I don't know that I can really say that it's, amazingly like it has a lot of holes in it. There's, there's problems with it. But for me, Shackleton is my hero and to find in, obviously I love horror. So to see like somebody searching for the Northwest passage in a Shackleton like setting, getting frozen in and then a horror component, it was, that thing was made for me. Um, and this was their second final season was this year. And then the other thing I love is the uh, the reboot of Queer Eye? Oh, yeah. it's fucking so good! It's so good. Yeah, the I I I agree with you. I I wouldn't quite put it on my best of list, but it is it is definitely a really good reboot. And I, I needed to have you, something on there like that. I know it makes you emotional. I know it gets you. Oh, dude, that's a fucking ball a minute. I'll cry every fucking episode. Yeah, I will say there's something about it that feels like exactly what we need right now in society. So something that feels like people are open and understanding and you're, it's a show about creating empathy for other, the way other people live and using your gifts to help other people who lead very different kinds of lives. Right. And, and there was a, a huge dose of like, it's super irreverent. Um, and there's a huge dose of humor in it, you know, and self-effacing humor, especially. Um, it, it's it, the original was so good. I knew they were going to do it again, and I was like, God, are they going to find the right dudes? Like, you know, because the first group of guys yeah. was so good, and these right. these guys are just as good. I think. Yeah, I I will say I feel like this group is a little more even. It is um, better craft. Felt yeah. like. In in the first one, they didn't quite know what they were going to get, and what what they ended up getting was the one blonde guy who like pretty much stole the show, like stole every scene that he was in. And these guys the feel dude. like, the, yeah, the fashion guy, the skinny kind of blonde guy, yeah, yeah. And these guys feel like they knew more what they were doing, and they helped craft the they crafted the dynamic between them all, yeah, a little bit better, maybe, yeah, um, you know, and. Some of them, like the 
obviously that dude went on to host Chopped or whatever. Ted went on to host yeah. Chopped or whatever from the first season. So it's not like it's not like they all didn't have skills or whatever. But as far as being like entertaining and engaging on screen, um, felt like they they crafted this all the crew a little better this time. Yeah, I mean it, it's been a while, and we're much you know we're much more advanced as you know, as program makers and everything. So then it shows in that one. What do you got? Sure. What do you got for TV, man? Uh, uh, so for TV, I have killing Eve, which I talked about yeah. earlier, although it might've gotten lost in one of the episodes where we had the audio snafu. So for those people that don't know, killing Eve is about Sandra. O oh plays an American who is living uh, in England. She ends up working for MI6 hunting a female killer in Western Europe and it, this show is fucking unbelievable. If you like anything remotely spy, procedural, espionage both um, Sandra Oh and the woman who plays the assassin that she's after are incredible. And it has very interesting dynamics between the two of them. Uh, this is sort of a late entry because uh, this also just came out fairly recently, but uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two. Yeah, you guys love That's, that. You watch it with Nicole. Oh, God. Uh, we actually watch it separately, but she actually, it was the, the one thing that she hit me to in the last few years that she actually watched first because I was like, it wasn't on my radar for some reason or. Me neither. And it's still, you brought this up um, a couple months ago, and I was like, dude, are you sure? And, <laughs> um, but I mean, I, it, only on your recommendation, I'll watch it, yeah. you know, because that would never be on I, my radar, rather. I actually think season two is better than season one. Okay. Which you don't see very many shows that that happens with. Season two uh, is really, really good. And then speaking of shows where uh, the seasons get better, um, Better Call Saul season four. Dude, that's I on think, everybody's oh best God. of list. That, it's the best season yet. It Seriously? It is insane how good this last season was so fuck i gotta i'm I'm way into it i'm pretty caught up um i think i may have what what season was this year five uh four four i think it's four maybe i'm miscounting but i think it's four well i must be caught up then um because i know i've seen at least three seasons so that's awesome i love that fucking show man so fucking good and the terror is amc too like those fuckers yeah don't ask me why they continue to just keep throwing fucking money on the fire of the walking dead and like they can make shows what are they why are they like just beating that fucking thing till it just like no more fucking blood comes out of it like leave it yeah fucking behind well i think they're getting to that point i mean they have the main like andrew lincoln the main actor who played the the original sheriff is now off of the show yeah so i I think it's it's winding down and the um the offshoot the fear of the walking dead is like off the rails and they don't really know what to do with it they had to pull characters over from the main show it's always rough around the edges yeah it's it's a bit of a mess honestly um i uh, I don't want to sidetrack us, but I am really looking forward to that Deadwood movie. Dude, uh, where's it at? I haven't I haven't kept up in the last few months. What's happening? I'm just seeing production shots. You know, they've been oh, you sort are. of teasing out some some photos of Ian McShane and um, Timothy Oliphant. Oh shit! Um, no, kidding. back okay. as the sheriff. 
It's funny. So they're, they're, they're in production. Ian McShane looks exactly the same. <laughs> Dude, I bet. And Timoth- Timothy Oliphant looks way older. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Because, like, the, you caught Ian McShane and, like, that dude's aged. Like, his aging is mostly over in a way that, like, it doesn't feel that dramatic. How funny. And Timothy Oliphant was, like, a young man. A kid, and now he's yeah. a middle-aged dude. Yeah. Right. So. Timothy Oliphant's so fucking pretty- terrible. He's the weakest point of that whole show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, not to get into it, but I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that series. I've seen that more than yeah. anything else. Maybe, maybe he, the Sopranos. I've seen more, but yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight you on it, but I have to say, like, it's the it's the opposite of a giant among midgets. You know, it's like yeah, he's it's like a giant among like. All the biggest giants in the world, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like, there's so much talent across the board. Even like throwaway parts are like, oh, you know, my God. you have massive actors like that other series would love to get. Yeah. That's the same thing that, that happened with Breaking Bad, too. There was, um, they, they would talk about this all the time. It's like casting agents just started, they were like, you, you guys all made my job easy. I just started casting all the actors that were on Breaking Bad. I just knew that mm-hmm. they were going to be amazing. So anyone who was ever associated with Breaking Bad all of a sudden was getting like all the calls for all the parts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even same, same like, thing with Deadwood. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. I just, I, we would just watched, um, Beth had never seen Sexy Beast. We just watched that oh, last God. week. Yeah. It'd been years since I'd seen it. And oh my god. That fucker holds up, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah. Sir Ben is I mean, it's it's yeah. fucking relentless. It's relentless. You yeah. can't breathe for ninety minutes. Yeah. It is so good. <laughs> god, I love that film. That is that film is in my top ten. It's so funny. Of all time. It's so, like yeah. it's so funny and it's so brutal. And there's so many like 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 crazy fucking moments in it that you're just slack jawed. It's oh my yeah. god, that thing is so fucking good. It's so good. Yep, that's it my picture great. of retirement. Like whenever, like <laughs> when that, when I think about retirement, I'm like, that's the fucking shit. Like that's where we're headed. Is fucking south southern Spain, and yeah. you can fucking find me on the satellite phone, maybe. Yeah, Jesus. All right, let's let's keep it rolling here. Roll, Next brother, category. Roll. You, um, um, I'm I'm gonna head into music, but I'm gonna cheat and do podcasts. Um, oh, so okay. I'm not prepared for that, but I'm I'm I, but I'm I can fire from the hip on that. All right. So for listen, I'm gonna like I said, cheat and do podcasts instead of music. Um, season three of Serial, which. Most people out there, I think, have ab- abandoned Serial when season yeah. two was such such a sort of kind of an unmitigated disaster. Season three is definitely a return to form. So season three takes place as a very thorough, in-depth, embedded reporting on the court system. And they chose uh, Cleveland uh, to embed themselves and investigate the court system oh, there. That's, you talked it about this. That's right. Incredible. Incredible. It should win all sorts of awards. Yes. It is really great. Um, so I have that. And then my other one, which was something that really took me by surprise in a, in a positive but, but very sort of impactful way, um, Radiolab 
uh, this year did a two-part series called um, In the Land of No, N-O, all about a a sort of modern examination of consent between men and women. And it is one of the most well-done and original things that I have ever heard. What? There's this, this woman who is reporting on relationships and can consent in her life. And she just happened, happens to like leave the happened to have left the tape rolling when like these men are trying to hit on her after these interviews. And you hear the, hear them like not hearing her when she's like, no, I don't want to do this. No, no, no. And they're like pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's just this really in-depth examination of like what it's, like it created an enormous amount of empathy for me for women and just having to deal with it. And you hear, cause these men aren't like, they're not like attackers or, you know, sex offenders. These are just like regular dudes who are just like trying to get laid and they just are not listening and they're not paying attention to like what these women are saying. That's so how not like, to get laid by the way. just for the record that's how not to get laid so anyways what's the name of it sorry uh it was a two radio lab episodes called in the land of no that's it right um and it's fucking incredible and there's uh one one a one thing where she does dr- a dramatic reenactment where she has a, an actor come in and she like writes to the best of her recollection, the scene. And then she goes back and talks to her ex ex boyfriend about like, this is what happened. And this is where I felt like you didn't listen. And she plays the like reenactment for him. And like they, they talk about it or it's a, f- a friend of hers. I guess it was a friend of hers. Um, and it's just this really interesting, you know, obviously in the, me too era, uh, like a, a very interesting, like thoughtful, thought provoking examination of um, the idea of and an examination of consent, I guess, uh, between men and women. And I thought it was like incredibly well done and incredibly powerful. And once again, a, th- a thoughtful examination of the issue in a way that we need right now. Dude, right on. Yeah, that's not, and honestly, like anything. That anything where someone it's sort of like a um like a stealth recording or like clandestine sort of like audio recordings, that type of a thing where you're not supposed to be hearing what's happening creates this sense of like, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm listening to this. It's this like an eavesdropping thing that is so fucking compelling, you know. Um, and yeah. I'm sure that the thing would stay like, that's not the, her goal. Isn't like a gotcha thing. I, you know, I'm sure no, that's not, not at it. all, but, but to be honest, like, you know, like the Jenks type of, it's what it's, that's, what's coming to my mind is like, you're listening to something that no one, they did not expect to be recording, you know, they, they were, yep. didn't realize they were on tape and to hear that type of shit is. I don't know. It's like a nine one one call or something. Um, For sure, I, I'm cheapening it in a way. Um, it sounds it sounds fascinating, and and I think like also like hearing people men speak like that is, you know, you and I are, I you know, not that we're fucking perfect men, but you know, we're we're 
kind of pansies, and I think all and very sensitive to like. <laughs> not that it's a pansy, that's bullshit. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I think you and I have always been respectful towards women. Um, but, um, it, we've known plenty of people. Like, it's impossible not to that are not that way, and it's kind of flipping a mirror around, and like, you know, which. You know, thankfully, it's one of the great things that happened this year, you know, was that yeah. we're taking a listen to, like, what f- fucking assholes we are as a sex, you know, and you better take a fucking hard yeah. hard look at the way that you're you're behaving, right? And I'm not saying that to try yeah. and fuck it. Like, it's truly one of the great things about this year, you know? It's it's awesome, Um it's a step forward for us fucking dirtbags. Um, all right. Well, keep going, man. Um, you got more podcasts? Are you going to – this is fucking um, – we're supposed to be music. Right. That, that's what I got. So why don't, you, why don't you go with your music picks? Okay. Um, so, you know, as usual, um, this year more than ever, um, I, I new releases were kind of, for whatever reason, just not – you know, I have my my eye out as I normally do, um, but there's not a shitload of new music um, coming out that was really grabbing me this year. Um, that said, I mean there there are probably ten records that I thought were fucking great. You know, Jay Mascus um, has a new record out in 2018 that. You know, I, I can't say it's a huge departure from anything he's done in the past. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a fucking watershed record for him in his career. But I fucking lo- anything that he does, I'm fucking crazy for. Um, but on my list, I'd say at the top, um, I was super excited to see Low have a new fucking album mm. out. And this is from um, from Duluth, Minnesota. That's Anybody right. that doesn't know Low, um, they are a very, you know, hugely well-respected band, um, slowcore band from Duluth, Minnesota, which is three hours north of of Minneapolis. Um, it's a cold town, small, um, and Low is probably the biggest thing to ever come out of Duluth, music-wise. I could yeah. be wrong on that, but... Yeah, I mean, lately, uh, Galen Lee, who sort of came to prominence uh, through the Tiny Desk concert and all that. Oh. And she actually plays in a band with Alan Sparhawk. Oh, really? Low okay. As well. So, yeah, similar, obviously similar part of the scene. But, um, yeah, no, Lowe is awesome. Yeah, you're, and, you're, I know you're a fan. I'm assuming Kaya is a fan. Um, yep. They're, yeah, we used to we used to put on shows for them in Madison. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like they're. I never knew about them honestly until I moved to Minnesota and was able to like dig in. Because when I moved to Minneapolis, it was like, okay, I'm here. Like this is replacement town, and what else is going on here? Like it's a very, um. Uh, it's a very distinct music scene up there, you know, because it's touring bands have to make a decision at Chicago if they're going to go to the twin cities or not. And a a lot do and a lot don't. And, 
it it's created this sort of like secluded kind of thing. I mean, anybody, you can, I mean, Minnesota's famous for music. Um, and I think low is a huge success story out of that place. And, um, in this, their record double negative in 2018 is, fu- it's so fucking good. It's not just like, Oh, low has a new record. They, recorded a fucking incredible record i i we usually play clips of of stuff but we're kind of um moving through tonight so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play any clips but that's my pick um for for and you know what i mean i didn't put a a shitload of thought into this I'll, i'll tell you that's my favorite record other ones in in play um are um death heaven has a new record i love death heaven um, the um, ordinary corrupt lives of human love is the name of their record. It's fucking great. Um, I th- I think it's their best record yet. Um, Soccer Mommy, which um, they're like an indie kind of pop band. They I was it just was super taken by them. Um, not mm. usually my cup of tea, but um, I loved I love that record. And then um. Let me let me bust through some. Like I said, I'm was much or more tuned into the reissue um, scene this year, and it was a great year for reissues. Um, um, in no particular order, um, Liz Fair has a um, a release. It's a box set, um, which is her. It, it doesn't. It only is um, the stuff that she did in cassette releases early on. Girly Sound to Guyville is the name of the box set. And okay. um, I'm a huge Liz Fair fan. I fucking love her. From the second I heard her, I fell in love with her. And everything she's ever done, I'm, actually, you know what? That's bullshit because she's done some garbage. But I'm still, I still listen to it, and she feels like a friend to me, and I've never met her. Um, but it's a su- it's a really cool reissue. Um, Girly Sound was the tape that she released, and there's a bunch of other stuff involved. And then Exile in Guyville was her song for song response to the Rolling Stones Exile in on Main Street. Um, hmm. And it's super interesting. She did it when she was fucking 20 years old. She couldn't afford rent in San Francisco anymore, and had to move back into her parents' house and record this record. It's amazing. Um, so that I love, uh, nurse with wound. Um, I'm a huge fan of their, um, they're kind of like royalty in the industrial scene. Um, Kaya, I know is, I mean, I've never talked to her about it, but I'm sure she's a fan. Are, are you a fan of nurse with wound? I've never, never heard of them before. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you got to check them out. Um, they're great, and one of their seminal records was re-released this year. Um, homotopy or hom- homo—I don't know how to pronounce it. H. It's homotopy. H o m o t o p y to Marie. Homotopy mm. to Marie. Um, it, it's a great um, reissue. I've never—I never had that record before, so it was nice to pick that up. Um, Way out west is a Sonny Rollins reissue. He was on tour with Max Roach in uh, the early 60s, and he was out this way somewhere, um, like Central Coast in California. And when you're when you're touring 
like that in somebody else's quintet, like you don't, you're on their payroll and you're not doing fucking shit. You're working. But he had one day right. off and Sonny Rollins um, was a huge fan of the American West. Like he loves Westerns and he loves like California sort of like desert settings, that type of thing. So he took one day and he recorded this record called Way Out West and it's so fucking good. And this box set is is fucking magic. He he had one day off. He recorded the whole thing in one day. Um, and this box set includes a bunch of outtakes, um, snippets of them talking in the studio. Um, hmm. It's two two LPs, 180 gram. They mastered it from the analog, which is, um, you know, that's for me. Like you have to do that for uh, right. when you take a digital file and you just dump it to a record it just bleeds all over the place and it sounds like shit you know so it's mastered from the originals and it's fucking great um and the last thing i'll say i've mentioned a few albums um this past year from um africa analog which is this dude in the netherlands is just going fucking ape shit for the last like three years releasing all of these buried fucking treasures from Africa. And um, my favorite thing that he did this year, I mean, he, mu- he must have put out, um, I forget his name, um, but it's one dude who is just incredible. He's just over the top for African funk. And like, basically, I mean, he releases all types of stuff, but um, but it's from Africa. You know, he, tra- he travels the entire continent just digging into archives and finding stuff. And there's this small country that I'd never fucking heard of in West Africa called Benin, B-E-N-I-N. And I don't even know if it's still there. You know, Africa's crazy. This shit fucking comes in and goes away. I don't know. But in the, um, in the sixties, Benin was, uh, this weird hub of Afrofunk. And this compilation is called the African Scream Contest. This is actually volume two. Mm. Volume one came out exactly 10 years ago in 2008. Um, it was a huge hit. It's various artists. You know, there's probably, this is a two LP comp with probably, oh, fuck, I don't know, 15, 18 different bands on it. And so you get a ton of different looks from this one period of time it's like a 12 it's like a 12 year stretch i want to say it's like 61 to you know early 70s and um in in from this one fucking country benin in west africa mm. um and this shit is like you would never we were so lucky to have this guy putting this shit out cuz you would never fucking hear it and you listen to all these old like African, they're influenced by other stuff that was happening at the time. You know, they're they're hearing James Brown, they're hearing other stuff that's happening, but they're so steeped in traditional African music that it's this. You know, it's and they're influenced by reggae and a whole in ska and all kinds of other music, and and then just pumped full of traditional African music. It's it's like nothing you've ever heard, and then you can see the influence that like just fucking ripples out into everything else. Like, right. Cause Africa is the, the mother of 
music, you know, yeah. and every, you just hear everything come out of there. It's I can't recommend that highly enough. Um, so cool. those are my record picks for for the year. Nice, that's a, a really good list. So I'll say uh, one more thing on, on the music front, and then we should move on to the next category. But we, I would be remiss, and we would be remiss if uh, we didn't mention. Oh shit! Uh, similar to Low, yes. Uh, our our friends uh, Rainer Maria came out with a new record, their first record in ten years, and I think it is their best record yet. Oh, it's uh, so which fucking is good! Amazing! It's so uh, good. It's, it's called S slash T, as in self-titled, yeah. but I don't actually think that's what it stands for. But it's S slash T. You can uh, buy it um, uh, directly from their label, Polyvinyl, as well as I think they just reissued really amazing uh, colored vinyl releases, 180-gram uh, colored vinyl of all of their previous records as well. They so, did. Um, obviously, friend... Dear friend of the podcast and loved one, Kaya Fisher, plays guitar in Rainer Maria. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing them play live here at the Triple Rock, which I think is now closed, actually. What? Yeah, I think the Triple Rock closed down. Oh, that's um, fucking they played the Triple Rock. It was amazing. Probably one of, you know, one of my favorite shows I've ever seen them play. And when I've was seen that? I've seen them play a lot. Um, that was uh, earlier this year. Uh, early summer. Fuck. I would kill to see them at the Triple Rock. Yeah. That's killer. Show. Oh, God. Kai is so All fucking right. talented. That whole band is so fucking yeah. talented. All right. Fuck. In order to, to completely change change pace, let's let's turn the dial. Where to you go? Where you out. go? Where you go? Good cook. Good cooking out. Good yeah, cooking buddy. Out. What, what, what you got, Santos? Oh man, I'll be honest. I didn't prep for it. I didn't prep for food. Okay, um, but well, I am I am fucking prepared at any right. minute to fucking talk about this. So. Okay, I'll, I'll pick up the baton here. I will say the this is also uh, right around Thanksgiving time. I had a sort of revelatory experience, and that is uh, I. At work, we happen to have the largest size of the Weber Smoky Yeah, that Mountain thing is – you had that smoker. when I was there. You, we had just gotten it <laughs> when I was there. That thing is so, fucking retarded. It's so big. I did um, I did uh, ribs on the Weber Smoky Mountain. I have to say that thing is a pristine rib machine. I think this – What's the deal? If you, if you use this Weber Smoky Mountain and you – Get it di- dialed in, and it's not that hard to get it dialed in. You you know you don't have to have that much skill. You will cook the best barbecue ribs of your life on a Weber Smoky Mountain. Pre steam, pre boil, pre anything. Nah, no, no. You're a naked bitch coming in there. Just a raw it fucking has, so rib. It has a water pan on it. I mean, I rub it. I use the, yeah, the yeah, meat yeah. church, the meat church rub, yeah. which has like little crystals of honey right in it. So you you rub them down. Put them on there. I just laid them flat, and I used a while ago. I discovered my secret um, mop sauce is a. Uh, I use Arnold Palmer. So it's, it's killer, like, really. Yeah, it's g- fucking great. It, it you've never told me that. Great. <laughs> really? Oh That's yeah, that's a genius just, fucking move. Just, you got a little yeah. Asian fucking tea shit, and you got the yeah. sugar from the lemonade. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It it turns out really well. So, anyways, I made. 
legendary ribs right around Thanksgiving on the Weber Smoky Mountain. And now I'm like, I got that thing on my 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 list. As soon as we you we're about to do we're about to do a remodel, but I'm gonna park a Weber Smoky Mountain right next to the pit barrel. I still think the pit barrel is better for certain things. Yeah. But as we both have acknowledged, it's not great for ribs. So yeah. pit barrel is a probably a better like you know, better for all sorts of other stuff. I mean, the best I'm, chicken you ever had. Yeah, that's right. Chicken, certain cuts of beef. Tri-tip, I did nice the best, tri-tip. Best turkey I've ever, best, yeah, ever yeah. had. Yeah. Yep. So um, I'm not forsaking the pit barrel by any means, but as far as like a rib machine and just having something else, Another tools, sort of another weapon in the arsenal, another tool in the toolbox. The Weber Smoky Mountain, which is also very affordable. Is you it? Know. That was oh, a yeah. gift. A client sent us that. Uh, it was our longtime financial advisor Joe. Who oh, that's what it that. was. Yeah, and that Weber, uh, like like ranch grill or whatever the thing that you can cook for like forty people on at once. Oh, I thought that's what you were talking about. No, I'm talking about the Smoky Mountain, which is the bullet cooker. Get the fuck. All right. So I'm glad that we straightened this out because that's what I was assuming <laughs> you were talking about this whole time. Is that big ass fucking. No. Uh-uh. That thing is ridiculous. Dude, that thing's but amazing. Also, <laughs> on this, on this, yeah. No, I know. I'm not talking about just the flat charcoal grill that's like. The, okay. Because I was whatever, trying to put the, this like, together in my ranch head. Yeah. Grill or whatever. I was no, thinking that you were no, doing it, some kind of a, offset heating. It, or? it looks, lo- looks like a black droid with a little silver. Yeah. Yeah. I know what it is. Front. Now. Yeah. It has, it, has, it has two different racks. You can do um, a bunch of stuff on it. It has a big capacity if you get one of the bigger ones. I'll probably. There's a small, medium, and a large. We, of course, have the biggest one at the office. I'm probably going to downgrade to the medium, but the small one, I think, is too small. I think you'd str- struggle Mother with both racks, Stephen. Fucker. So now I got to get this fucking thing, too? <laughs> what is it? It's the fucking Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain. Oh, Whatever Smoky Mountain. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, Smoky Mountain, fucking Weber. Um, all right. I get that fucking thing. I mean, it's ridiculous back here with the fucking. I, I get the gas grill. I get the, my Santa Maria fucking wood pit with my mesquite and all my, my almond and my fucking oak and my walnut. I get the goddamn, the goddamn uh, f- smoker. The the fucking mm-hmm. the fucking yep. rib killer out there. Um, yeah, I mean, what can you do? What do I need? Hey, you, yeah. everything needs a different tool, right? That's right. You can't you can't have too many grills and smokers. In, in no. My um, all right. Well. Um, yeah. All right. We could we could talk for I mean, fucking hours about the the Smoky Mountain because I have a lot of I got a lot of questions. Like, it, does it hang like the pit barrel? No. Shelves like a traditional smoker, or, or uh, like an has, electric smoker. It has, it has two two grills, so it uses like a standard Weber grill. Um, and the top one, you can just lay three racks down and then there's a second shelf and then there's a water pan and then there's a charcoal pan All right. and the drawer opens. Uh, if you pull off the top, you access the top shelf, obviously put the top down. There's a silver drawer and that drawer opens and you can access the second rack and the water pan. So if you need to add water or anything like that, and then the charcoal pan that's in the bottom, you just kind of like. Let let that go. You'd have to pull a lot of 
I mean, there might be a drawer on the other side, actually, that lets you get into the, if you need to add wood or something like that. But this thing, I mean, I'm telling you, there's something about that, the big-ass water pan. Mm. That's the thing that I think might be the difference between this and the pit barrel. Okay. They say in the pit barrel, like, you don't need a water pan because it's convection. And, yeah, chicken and stuff comes out of there, and it's really yeah. moist and tender. But because it's hanging, you can't mop it. And it yep. doesn't have a water pan. I think those are the two things that make it the ribs not quite as good as they could be. Here, and you could add a water pan, I guess, to the pit barrel. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're having an existential crisis. <laughs> the pit barrel and I. Here's 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 yeah. what I propose. Twenty nineteen. Let's let's um, make a promise to to good looking out. That we'll do an episode in person here, a good cooking out episode in my backyard. Yeah. And then we'll do one in your backyard. So you travel to LA, you come here, and we've set it up back here. We put fucking lavalier mics on, and we'll we'll do one back here. And then I'll come to Minneapolis, and we do one there. We'll do completely, I don't know what we'll do yet. I don't know. I'm just coming up with this now. Yeah. But let's, let's do that this year. Cool. In New Year. My uh my backyard might be entirely tore tore up. Oh, you're so doing a whole fucking thing. You it. just did a whole thing. You just put the whole thing in back there. No, uh uh-uh. uh. We haven't we haven't done it yet. Oh, you haven't? No. So this uh as soon as school gets out, I think we're embarking on it. I don't give a shit. Major. We'll do it at the office. I don't care. We'll just yeah. we'll find a fucking place. Well, we're, we're, we'll for sure do it in LA. I'm definitely down for coming out and all right. seeing this whole setup you got out there. I got so, four fucking rigs. Come out here. I know. We'll fucking rock that's a, this. That's what bitch. I'm talking it's about. It's ten feet away from me. I'm star- the pit barrel is staring right back at me now. It knows I'm talking about it. It's pissed. It's fucking right there. It's literally fucking five feet away from me. Yeah. That bitch. Right on. Um, All right. F- what else? You got anything else for food? I'll go on food. I, I'm going to call out um, just for me personally. Yes. Um, tacos are the gift that keep on giving. I know everyone's yep. talking about tacos and tacos overhyped, but between going to Sayulita and having the tacos where they're shaving the El Pastor off Yvonne. of the pits. Yeah. Taco Ivan. Yep. Where they're shaving. So for anyone who doesn't know, there's um, influenced by um, people coming from the Middle East, uh, immigrants from the Middle East. They started doing El Pastor on a spit, sort of in the same way that they would do like It's a vertical spit. Yeah. So vertical spit, El Pastor, they have these amazing little like street tacos. They shave off the El Pastor and they flick a little grilled pineapple off the top top. and have these tacos. Life-changing tacos. It is a life changer. For for me, because um, due to medical reasons, not being able to eat gluten, tacos are like sort of – tacos and barbecue. You know, those are like two – like pizzas, like – a You're little fucked. bit off off the menu at this point, unfortunately. So tacos are like I can go anywhere in the world, get a really amazing taco and a corn tortilla, and it's going to be great. I've been making um, breakfast tacos for the girls, mm-hmm. doing corn tortillas, really amazing eggs, fresh guacamole, maybe a little little salsa, tomato, um, you know, and some other stuff in there. Little bits of bacon chopped up. Put them in. You're good that way. Um, you got that. Breakfast tacos. Yeah. Delicious. So, yeah, tacos for me, especially, but especially those tacos from Tacos Ivan in Sayulita. 
yep. life-changing tacos. Yeah, they're, they are fucking life-changing. So there's a dude here. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, we're going to have to... We'll have to, we're gonna have to do two days here, so um, we'll do one where we cook here, um, and then we're, and we have to do one on the road where we go hit yeah um, where we go hit some LA spots because um, I've got a fucking list for you and I can't take the, this is the thing I, my bride is my bride I love her she's my person in this world but. Yep. I can't eat with this bitch. She's fucking eat. She eats once a week. She's like a snake. She eats fucking. Right. She comes in and fucking downs three diet cokes, eats two donuts, and then she doesn't eat for five days. So what am I going to do with that? You know what I mean? Right. I'm. I want to eat every fucking minute of my life. You know. Yeah. She never wants to fucking eat. So um, I've got a list of places um, for us to go. It's tacos. Ted, Teddy's Red Taco is a spot. That I haven't been to yet. That is famous. It's blowing up right now. People are going fucking ape shit mm. from this place. They're birria tacos. Birria is mm. a goat stew. Um, so it's basically mm. a braise. Um, and he he does them. Um, what he does? They're red tacos because he takes the he takes the tortilla and he hits it on the top of. He's got an enormous pot. So it's a it's a. Um, it's a food truck. It's a taco truck that he's got parked off a of Sawtell in South Los Angeles on an, um, an abandoned railroad track. And, um, and there's a fucking line down the track to get to this dude. Hmm. What he does is he's got this huge pot with a birria in there, and he takes the, these beautiful tortillas, and he slaps it on the top of the pot. That's just, you know, it's a, it's a huge pot filled with, you know, Mexican shit. He's got fucking onions and chilies and all right. kinds of beautiful Mexican flavors in there with all that goat meat. He slaps it on top, and anybody that's ever cooked anything in a big, in a big pot like that, you know that a lot of fat just rises to the top. And that's, as you're right. cooking a stock or something, that's what you're skimming off. Um, he probably, I don't know his techniques, but basically what he does is he hits the tortilla on top and gets a lot of that fat, and boom, onto the flat top with it. Um... And it turns red because it's just covered in all those spices. And boom, <laughs> right. on the flat top, then he pulls the birria out and he chops up the meat. It's it's similar to like, if you can imagine, like a braised um, kind of brisket, you know? Right. Um, sauce, yeah, sauce, sauce good. onto the thing. This right. guy, I'm dying. So we got to go there. Um, I will talk firsthand for a minute. One of the greatest fucking things I've ever eaten in my life. I had, this was three weeks ago. I had a food day that was a complete fucking like life changer. I um, was, I work in Pasadena a day or two a week um, with our friend Jonathan Green. And I was coming home. It, for anybody that lives in Los Angeles, you know that the best food is not in Los. It, well, it's not in the city. Like, you know, Los Angeles is fucking enormous, but like, there's all these outlier spots, and in like the east, like out that way, Alhambra, San Gabriel, these towns are filled with because it's a little less expensive i don't know why i don't know why but alhambra and san gabriel have some of the best food in the entire fucking in southern california um 
Alhambra in particular has the distinction of housing the best Szechuan restaurant in America. And this is declared by Jonathan Gold, the late great food critic of the Los Angeles Times, who, RIP 2018, this guy is, I've lived in a lot of cities, this guy is, you know, I've lived in cities, you know, a little bit more pleasant and more livable than Los Angeles. But Jonathan Gold had a way of making this town kind of feel like, a town and not just a weird spread of strip malls and traffic. It was, the guy was magic. Anyway, this place in um, Alhambra, Chengdu Taste, is the mm. best, declared by Jonathan Gold and many others, the best Szechuan restaurant in America. So, leaving Pasadena one day, um, drove down. Uh, I don't know, you know, 10 miles south of Pasadena and hit Chengdu Taste at 20 minutes before they're going to close and ordered like fucking eight things to go because I couldn't stay there. (laughs) So I got a bunch of shit um, and brought it home. Well, I hit one spot on the way out of there. I saw this banh mi cafe and I cut off three people and made an illegal left turn into the, fu- <laughs> like just a fucking dirty, the dirty, I was like, I have to, yeah. cause this is, they've got everything. It's Chinese fucking like, they've got everything packed perfectly tied off. Like it's ju- the bags are packed perfectly. Like it's so precisely ready, like to go. You can't, I, I was starving. And I couldn't dig into this shit because as soon as you open it, it's fucking everywhere. Half of it's soup, half of it's sauce. There's fucking shit. I'm not eating that on the road. I saw this bond. I was like, oh, fuck. So squealing tires into the fucking bond me. And this place, there was not a – every table was full. And this is an off hour. Like I said, this is like 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Every table has just an old Vietnamese dude speaker phone on bowl of noodles just slurping covering everything screaming all of them just screaming into the you know eyes closed screaming into the fucking speaker phone i was like oh fucking welcome home this is the spot there's no question that this is the fucking spot so i got just the fucking standard i'll have a a beef grilled beef banh mi to to go Oh, yep. here you go. $2.95 round what? eye. Yeah, it's some fucking stupid shit. Like it's seriously, it was it was under it was under $4. It may have been $3 and change. Um, but it was under $4 out the door. Right. And um and it took a minute or so to get it, and I was just st- looking around me, and they got all the crazy Vietnamese shit, like, you know, fucking pork hair and a fucking, zip, you know, in a Ziploc bag right. for 98 cents or some shit. Like, just crazy fucking shit. <laughs> like, you know what Vietnamese do. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I get this sandwich, and I get on the 10 and start heading west to get home, and... I pull it out. This fucking thing is 18 inches long. This beautiful, like the whole baguette. It's thin. It's not big and fat. Like it's a thin baguette. 
It's more like a pressed sandwich or something? No, no, yeah. no. Nice and round. No? Beautifully round. Okay. And you know how the end of a baguette, it's like a torpedo, and the end of yeah. the baguette yeah, yeah. is kind of, it doesn't have shit on there, you know? It doesn't have, like, it, it's not filled with the beef and the beauty and, and everything nice on the end. The end is kind of like, you know, lots of times you tear it off and don't eat it so you can get to the right. to the money in the middle. I just, I was driving, so just fucking ate it. And it was fucking crispy, beautiful, unbelievable baguette. And it's obvious, like, as soon as I took a bite, I'm like, they're making this fucking thing right there. There is no fucking way. They just baked this fucking thing. So, boom, I got fucking crumbs everywhere, (laughs) all over, and I'm on the 10. Like, I mean, this is Los Angeles fucking traffic on... You know, the 10 going west to Santa Monica. And there's people everywhere. I'm literally fucking, because I got to, you got to wash it down with something. So I'm working a, I'm working a lemonade. I'm working napkins. I'm working this fucking mess of a sandwich. And I'm driving with a knee in the center lane, working this fucking banh mi. It was unbelievable. So tense. This lemongrass (laughs) in the beef. It was fucking magic this thing the the nice. best sandwich easily there's nothing came close and i ate some good sandwich i always eat good sandwiches this is the easily the best sandwich of 2018 unbelievable wow. i almost died for the sandwich literally <laughs> nearly died for it it was so fucking good yeah that's awesome so I'm we're going there out yeah hell yeah let's do it yeah um, last thing is you give like just a kind of like a food that you should Take a closer look at tacos. I like that. I like that. I agree. Tacos. I'll tell you one from me is um, take a – we all know it. Everybody knows tacos. Everybody knows they're good. But reexamine it. Come to the tacos fresh. Come to the oyster fresh. A good oyster mm. from like sourced properly, shucked properly. Don't let any – don't let some fucking – like 17 year old shuck your fucking oyster that doesn't know what he's doing cutting the thing up you know not not separating it from the shell completely get a proper do the oysters yourself or get them somewhere right and just eat some fucking oysters with cold vodka or with champagne or or cold sparkling water that's the fucking the greatest thing in the world is a cold oyster i had i had a dozen the other day and and reminded myself how good life is, man. That shit doesn't get any better than a good oyster. Yeah. Right on. All right, brother. That's move awesome. on. Next category. The food. I mean, come on. We can fucking go yeah. forever, right? That's right. So You going books? Uh, what do we got left? We got books. We got movies. We got books and movies. Okay. Books where are you movies. going? Um, I'll just do I'll, – I'll talk about a couple of books real quick. Um, so I very highly recommend if I had to pick out one book that I think was a very pleasant surprise and made a big impact, I would pick out, um, that book, the boneless mercies that I talked about, oh, which yeah. is like a gender swap retelling of Beowulf. Um, I although you never, this, yeah. ne- never necessarily know it. Amazing book, like start to finish amazing prose gripping story. Uh, really thoughtful, extremely well done. Um, there's a sci-fi series um, called the Murderbot series that um, a couple, two more installments came out this year. Um, great, 
great series by a female author named Martha Wells. Mm. Um, there's uh, the second uh, book uh, in a fantasy series that I absolutely love that's super fun, sort of like, you know, like a hard rock or heavy metal sort of take, super fun take on um, traditional fantasy. Um, the first book was called Kings of the Wild by this guy, Nicholas Eames. The second book came out this year called Bloody Rose, um, which is, you know, you don't have to have read one to read the other. I highly recommend both of them. Kings of the Wild, W-Y-L-D by Nicholas Eames and Bloody Rose. Awesome books. So uh, that's all I'll say on the book front. Okay. And unless you have anything, we can quickly move on to I, movies. I do. Yeah. And we're good. We'd yeah. have to, we'd have to rush. Um, I got um I got two um book picks for 2018 um in in no particular order um I think the um I think the new Michael Pollan book is super interesting how to change your mind hmm. um if you're a Michael Pollan fan this is true to his work he's a immersive journalist um and you know he's a he's a book writer as well, um, but he dives in right. So he he's going to write a book about building a house. So he goes and he builds a house and he tells you about his journey. Um, same with um, with food. What's he's got two food books? Yeah, um, Omnivore's Dilemma and Food Rules. I yeah, Om, Omnivore's Dilemma is certainly one. Food Rules. I'm sure you're right. Is the other um, omnivore's dilemma for me being the um, the most notable? Um, but yeah, he goes down a journey and you know finds out what's happening with that. How to change your mind is his uh, examination of the renaissance of hallucinogens and their use in hmm. everyday life and how in their possibilities for. Um, for use in a bunch of different applications in the future. I think it's super interesting. It's a, it's a field that is, it's, it's, there's a groundswell that's happening that is undeniable. It's great. The amount of people that are turning to these illicit substances and these illicit molecules and looking at and, and finding great, like, applications for them and when you read about the great thing about michael pollan is he's so um exhaustive in his examinations that you see how things like basically what happened is you know the 60s were a terrible period for psychedelics because they were just branded as these like right. counterculture counterculture hippie, drugs, hippie yeah. fucking bullshit jack off like drugs and the, and what happened, you know, it really 30 years prior to that, well, 20 years anyway, the, the research was gaining, you know, making great gains uh, on understanding what these substances can do for people. And the sixties and Timothy Leary spearheading it derailed all of that. And, you know, I mean, obviously Nixon didn't help either, but at any rate, um, there's a renaissance happening and Michael Pollan takes a close look at it and it's a great read. The other pick, um, which I haven't finished yet, I've just started it and it's so fucking juicy, is a book called Cherry by Nico Walker. Um, Nico Walker um, 
has written this book about a veteran with PTSD who um, gets hooked on opiates and starts robbing banks. And mm. you start reading it and you're like, holy shit, this is great. And then, it, I'm speaking for myself, then you realize that Nika Walker is a veteran with PTSD who got hooked on fucking opiates and started robbing banks. So it's a, um, you know, it's not uh, an autobiography, but it's, um, he, he wrote this on a tip-tap fucking typewriter from down in the clink. Like, he wrote this book while wow. he's locked up. And, you know, none of that math equals a great book, but this is a great fucking book. He's like a cross between um it, it reads like a it reads like a um a, kind of like a, a it, he's got elements of of Eddie Bunker in there like the way that he talks mm-hmm. about crime is very offhanded and very matter of fact like of course you know what this means and this is just uses just kind of a vernacular that criminals use um but he's also has this tender side to him that um is is singular he's it, it's a fucking great book super fast read i'm halfway through it and i to you i fucking highly recommend it to you yeah like it, I, I was i'm about to get it on my kindle right now go it's, grab it it's it's nico walker yeah cherry is the name of the book um it's Good crime, because he's it's you know it's procedural in the way that a junkie is procedural. You know, and I mean he talks about like going to knock over a bank where he's got like his drug dealer that's supposed to be the pickup guy, and and you know he comes out of the bank and when he's not there he's like of course he's not fucking here he's my drug dealer and he's gone and he just immediately adapts and you know this is a half an hour after he was. You know, his girlfriend's trying to revive him on the kitchen room, on the kitchen Jesus. floor with ice on his balls. It's it's so fucking good. It's raw and and real, you know, but it's got a lot of, like, um, it's super sensitive, too. Like, you know, as only a person that is capable of speaking from the heart with PTSD can be, it's, it's fucking great. So, lastly, we move to see. That's all it takes with Frost. He's fucking, and this is this is not this is. I've I've seen you do this uh, ten times with things bigger than books. Um, Movies. I'm I'm a whore for books. You are a whore for books. (laughs) Um, Here's here's where I'm at with movies. I have not seen, I have not seen the best movie of the year yet. Because I know that the best movie of the year is Roma, and I haven't seen it yet. Hmm. Um, have you seen it? Uh, no, but um, I'm. I no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, me neither. Um, and it, I mean, it's sitting right there. It's f- the the distribution plan on that thing is fucking crazy. It was in theaters for two weeks before it it, it was on Netflix. Huh? It's nuts. It's on Netflix now. Alfonso Cuaron 
I mean, he's, you know, one of the greatest directors fucking ever. Certainly one of the greatest Mexican directors. Um, and uh, I haven't seen it yet. And it's, I've got friends texting me. They're like, have you seen Roma? I saw it four days ago and I can't stop thinking about it. Like, so mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best movie of the year and I haven't fucking seen it. But I will say for my picks um, for best movies of the year, um, it was, I don't know, not a embarrassment of riches by any means, I don't think, 2018 for movies. I, there were amazing movies, but, you know, I've had harder times picking my favorites. Um, in no particular order, I will say, as I talked about before, and I don't remember if you concur or not, but Hold the Dark, I think, is fucking amazing. That thing hit me deep and hard, and I thought it was genius. And the yeah. and the faults that other people find in it, I believe are there. It's strengths. Um, I fucking I, love that uh, thing. You know, when I sat down to think about movies that like I were really memorable, I agree with you. Like, not a lot of stuff just like came to mind immediately. And that was one of the films where it's like that fucking film. Like, I can't get that out of my head. Like, even still, it's. I mean, it definitely has some like. It's it's a very quirky film, but there are some a couple of, of scenes and some things that it does that it does better than anything else. If you can fall, it's I think it's a it's a very subjective thing. Like like anything, like if you fall under its spell, you're you're done for, you know. But if you're not in a very you know particularly, um. I don't know if you're not in a very like open space or like you're not in a very impressionable place. I could see how you'd be like, Oh, this thing. If you're just looking at the pieces being put together and you're being very critical of it, I can see how you would have problems with it. I was spellbound from jump street and that thing fucking turned me around. Unbelievable. So I'll say it again. Hold the dark. Fucking great. Spider-Man into the spider verse. Um, is the best superhero movie ever made. Boom. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You're, you're you're not the first person who said that. So Are you serious? I've been Yeah, no, I've uh Brad also Brad Cersei also said that and uh, I think Christian was ve- like can't stop posting stills that he clandestinely took on his Oh, camera, really? Um uh, in the film cuz he thought the animation was so cool. It's not. So yeah, I mean, people are raving about it. So we're actually going to go see it. I've been waiting to see it with the girls, and we're going to uh, all go see it as a family uh, in the Cayman Islands when we're down oh, there. The theater that's showing it. Dude, so, dude, dude. Yeah. Fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, quick aside, just as a heads up to everybody, we went to see Mary Poppins a few hours ago and left halfway through. Emily Blunt never takes her top off. It's a fucking huge disappointment. I thought for sure I'd get some TNA out of that fucking thing and nothing. Nothing. No, that thing. We, we Honestly, though, we, we left halfway through. It was a drag. Um, wow. You know, there were mitigating circumstances. but um, Right. And the other one that um, I thought was great, I watched it with Beth. She hated it. Um, which is a good sign, um, is the um, the Amazon movie, You Were Never Really Here, I think is really strong. I love that movie. 
Yeah. I think it's great. It's super quirky and um, <clears throat> weird. I, I think kind of along the lines, like, there, there weren't any, like movies to really grab a hold of and be like boom three board three billboards like there wasn't like that didn't exist this year you know and i think i don't know like for sleepers it was a good year and you were never really here is um is one of them yeah did did you see that i've seen it yeah what'd you think i thought it was i thought it was interesting it's it's a weird (laughs) It's once again, it's a very quirky film, yeah. but not necessarily in a in a bad way, and not in a great way a, either. Like it, I, I'm not saying yeah. this thing, you know, holds up to you know, I don't know. Yeah, but it's at least it's interesting, and it's it's push. It, it's a new kind of story. It's bringing something new to the table. Yeah, at the very least, right? So, um, the the other one uh, I will say that I haven't seen yet. Um, that I think is probably better then you were never really here. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going off of what I've read and what I've seen is uh, Mandy. That thing looks <laughs> so fucking good. I don't know what to, what to make of that just because Nicholas Cage is such like, a, oh. it's a, I have a hard time taking that dude seriously. I don't think you need to. I, I, I think you don't have to. No, I mean, that's the point. It's like casting him to his, like it's, it's brilliant casting. Yeah, think, right? In a way. Because he's a maniac, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And yeah, he's got all of his baggage for, you know, you either use it, you have to you have to use it or or you have, like, you can't forget it, you know? Um, you can't turn a, your back to it. Um, but that right. thing looks dark as fuck. And um, I, I'm, I can't wait to see that fucking thing. Yeah. So I'll admit on this one, I struggled a little bit. So I wanted to call to mind again, two movies that I think most people probably missed. Mm, what um, do you got? One is a movie that I talked about previously that I just absolutely love that I think is like a, almost like a pitch perfect movie hostiles. Um, the movie where Christian Bale plays the, Fuck, that thing. The, I forgot about that. Yeah. Plays a soldier who has to take West duty, who is like a, a Native American captive who's dying of cancer back to his tribal lands. And this guy just spent the last decade watching his friends slaughtered in the like American Indian wars. That's uh, on Netflix. And I, yeah, it should be on Netflix. Uh, it is it. I spent like a lot of the movie with like my mouth. I felt like my mouth was constantly hanging open in this film just because it is so relentless. This movie. I'm watching it tonight. Really great. I'm watching that tonight. Really great. So that was definitely one of my picks. And then a movie that um, I actually was uh, exposed to the graphic novel first. This this graphic novel called I Kill Giants. It's about this young girl who is um, dealing with some sort of like emotional trauma. And um, you're sort of brought into this world where she's fighting. She lives in this like coastal town uh, in England and um, is like fighting these monsters. Oh, um, yeah. And is that the there, name of the movie? I Kill Giants. I Kill Giants. Yeah. Um, Where is it? Independent film. Um, I watched it on, I want to say that I watched it on Amazon. Um, so you could probably find it on either Hulu. Maybe I watched it on Hulu. Okay. Hulu or Amazon. Um, uh, and you can probably watch it on most of the streaming services at this point. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or not, but. Um, really great independent film, 
brilliant use of, you know, when you, we used to see stuff like that, like back when we were growing up in like the dark crystal and yeah, yeah. story. you go back and you look at this stuff. It looks so like such garbage. Yeah. Like the special it does. effects are just I know. so hokey. Yeah. And now you can tell those stories, like whether it's the Babadook or, you know, something like this that sprinkles in that sort of like that mix of fantasy and reality. And they can do it in such cool ways. It's like so, so visually stunning. Um, so Good that movie I really love. So those are two that I just wanted to make sure people saw that probably flew a little bit under the radar. For sure they did. Yeah. Good one. Nice. Did we make it through? We did it. We did fucking That's music. It. We did books. We did TV. We did movies. We did food. Fuck all y'all. We got it all. You're set. <laughs> if you slept so, for all of 2018 like a fucking Rip Van Winkle and you just listen to this bitch, you're fucking golden. You're all set. Yeah. You didn't miss a damn thing. So good for you. Yeah. So really quick, uh, 2019, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, my that's coming God. Out? Um, huh. I, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. I never thought I'd make it to the end of 2018. Like, it's just an apocalypse every morning. So I never really have thought much about it. Um, what is coming out in 2019? I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. You put me on the spot like this. I don't fucking know. What? Why? What do you got? Uh, so for me, I'm going to say True Detective Season 3. Oh, shit. I think yeah, sure. True, True Detective Season 3 looks like it's going to be, you know, it has serious potential to be the best season yet. I mean, just from seeing the previews and the talent that they're bringing to the table, which is a, a bold statement considering how good Season 1 was. But um, I have high hopes for Season 3, so we'll see. Damn. If it can yeah, deliver. me too, for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, that show is fucking great. I love it. And I love that they didn't wave. I, I mean, I don't know anybody that worked on it or what any of the internal shit dialogue was, but I love that, you know, there was obviously a lot of disappointment with season two with a lot of people. Um, not me, but I love that they didn't bail like they did on fucking Deadwood. Uh, well, I guess yeah. Deadwood, man. When when is that fucker coming out? It probably if they're still I shooting, it's probably not twenty twenty. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I I especially knowing Milch. Yeah, I'm I'm just not sure. Although it's only it is just a movie. I mean, they made a it's true. A, it made a movie shot a of lot fucking, more content than that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So we'll see. I don't yeah, know. Definitely, if De- if Deadwood does come out in twenty twenty. Um, 2019 that's that's is seriously high up there as well oh for sure um so 2019 i don't know i'm looking forward to seeing um i saw um in 2018 i saw um dave david enus came out here um to Los Angeles with his bride Jody and took me to see Beck at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, um yeah. and we went with with uh Jonathan Green and I'd never been to the Hollywood Bowl and it was so fucking good. So I am on high alert for any shows at the Hollywood Bowl this year. Like I'm buying boxes and um like they're they're seats that are kind of the orchestra area 
um, are unbelievable. I didn't. I had no idea how good the Hollywood Bowl is. That place is fucking amazing. It's such a good place to see a show. So I'm I'm excited for that in 2019. Um, awesome. Whatever their lineup is, I'll be there. Um, I don't know what else. I'm excited to turn another year older. No, I'm my kid. I guess he'll get older. <laughs> That'll be good. Yep. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to. 2018 was rough. I think we're gonna fall into our stride a little bit. 2019. I'm excited. You know, you never. Every New Year is a little weird. You, you're either trepidation or excitement or, you know, I've been through a couple at this point, and I'd say 2019. I'm feeling. I'm excited for it. Cool. What about you? You excited? All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely looking forward as well. Um, Are you worried? Are you worried or happy or excited? No, I would say I'm more excited. 2018 was not an not an awesome year. I will say I'm I'm glad it's in the books. Fucking a. So yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's wrap it there. All right. Um. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. If you've been wondering whether or not we're still doing this, never fear. Until you hear otherwise, we're going to continue to do it as often as we can. Um, I'm going to start sharing all of the picks every week uh, on Twitter. So if you ever miss an episode or you just want to follow up on what you heard uh, again with links and names, uh, follow us at GLO, at GLO Podcast on Twitter. Um, and I'll start with this uh, 2018 wrap up, sharing all the all the links and uh, picks that we had on this show. Uh, thanks as always to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. My girl, um, thank you. Continued support, and thank you all for listening. And we will catch you in 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. See you later. <laughs>